Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Materializing Mindset Podcast with me, your host, Michael Helton, and today, our guest, Josh Laguerre. Josh is a currently licensed agent with EXP and a driven entrepreneur. You know, some call this a cold market. We can call Josh the oven because this man is pulling fresh deals out often. You know, when I met Josh some months back, I instantly saw that he had something I wanted. And that something is what he refers to as the Ronin mindset. Today, we're going to dive deep into what it means to carry that mindset and why Josh chose this name for both his short-term rental business at Ronin Stays and as well as his newly formed real estate team, Team Ronin, spent 11 years in the Army, earned his Ranger tab, and worked his way up to Major. As you'll hear, Josh describes his decision to get into the military as the best decision of his life and his decision to get out as the second best decision of his life. Since Josh came into real estate just a couple years back, he's been consistently making waves, whether it be winning National Rookie of the Year with his former brokerage at Coldwell Banker, leading the way for other Army Rangers, or growing his short-term rental portfolio to over 13 properties, Josh continually proves that believing in self, staying disciplined, and maintaining the Ronin mindset are the keys to his success, and more importantly, his purpose. Super excited for you guys to listen on and, and hear some of these creative deals that Josh has been able to navigate and how he's been able to continually find success in an otherwise slow market. Guys, I'm real excited for you guys to, to hear this today. And uh, thank you for joining us here on the Materializing Mindset Podcast. Enjoy the show. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Materializing Mindset Podcast. Today, our guest, Josh Laguerre. Josh, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing, Michael? Doing good, doing good. Appreciate you asking me, brother. So, um, man, you, you're doing a lot, a lot of moving parts right now. A lot of things going on with you. I, I wanted to have you on and just kind of talk through what you're doing, man. I, I think um, the biggest thing that I've noticed through just knowing you and seeing how you operate is that you don't let circumstances determine what you do and how you operate. Uh, and I think that's something that a lot of people could could stand to gain from right now, especially in these times. So, I mean. I guess I really just want to kick it off with kind of a deep question, man. Like, like what is, what is your mindset? Right. And I know we kind of talked about this yesterday a little bit, but like, what's your mindset like right now, man? Like with the current state and, and, you know, with, with how you attack the day and then we'll kind of go into more of the detailed stuff, but. Yeah. I mean, I, we talked about this yesterday, but you know, Ronan is like an alias, right? It's something that I look up and it's an, it's a mindset, right? So like every day, um, I see that word and it's branded into, you know, the companies that I own. Um, really it's like you have to determine and shape your future. Mm -hmm. Right. So every day that's what I live by. It's like nothing else is going to dictate that it's going to be me. So kind of walk me through like how Ronan infiltrates its way into your businesses and, and, you know, how you're able to, to use that as kind of the, the mission for what you're trying to accomplish, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's really what, the entire concept is, you know, being an independent contractor, you are an entrepreneur, right? So like a samurai back in the, you know, ancient Japanese era, you know, they're grown very regimented, taught, you know, this is what you can and can't do. A Ronin samurai is <clears throat> someone that uh, kind of forges their own path, you know, wants to make his own mark without any boundaries, right? So like, I just love that like mentality and I want to bring that into all these different, you know, businesses. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think that's one of the big things that is going to set people apart during these times right now is, is, you know, are you going to forge your own path or are you going to see what the majority is doing? Cause right. I mean, you know, like you've talked about, like we were talking about what the majority is doing right now, 
isn't leaning into growth and leaning yeah. into prosperity and trying to do, you know, what's good for your business and the people that you're trying to serve. So I'm curious, like with you, you know, with, with Ronan stays and, and also, you know, with the new brokerage that you started uh, with running that team and kind of keeping that mindset, what are some things that you do to kind of make sure that you're not slipping back into that? Like times are tough or is this the right move? Cause I know like being an entrepreneur, man, there's gotta be a lot of doubt. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of times where you're sitting with your own thoughts, wondering what the next move is. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious what you're doing to kind of keep that warrior mentality. Yeah. I mean, you really have to experience it, Yeah, you know, and, and that's what I lean into a lot of times. Like you can't listen so much and put so much weight into the news and like what other people, your mom and dad say, cause they bought their house when it was $80,000 and you know, and now it's worth like 400,000. Right. And people can't, you, you can't really look past that. So it's a combination of like one being knowledgeable and doing your own research on your, your topic that you're a subject matter expert on, right. That you study and you have to, you have to love it, man. You have to, mm. um, really dig deep that way that you're comfortable and confident. Cause I like, ultimately I don't want to scam anybody. I don't, you know, I want to make sure I believe in it before I push it on anyone else. Cause I don't want to gain from someone else's demise. Right. So mm -hmm. like I personally love real estate, you know, and I'm constantly investing in it and <clears throat> through the research and um, just experience, that's really what drives me on the day to day. I've tasted it. I've experienced it. And so it, it really fuels a fire. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I know. And you kind of mentioned that too. And that's interesting where, you know, I know that, um, your love for real estate is, is clear with anyone who talks to you or anytime that you've given talks at REIG or Pints and Properties. I mean, anyone who hears you speak knows that there's definitely a lot of passion there. And, and you kind of mentioned that too, that, that your love for real estate started before you got into the industry. So kind of tell me that, like, how, how did you fall in love with the industry? You know, like, what was yeah. it about it that kind of set that fire? Yeah. I mean, so I was in the military for 11 years mm -hmm. and, uh, I knew that, man, I was, I was climbing, you know, I, I made major and I was still in a, a ton of debt, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and as I was getting out, I had about six months. Um, I, I was stationed overseas for about five years and then got back here and I, I knew I had to buy a house. And so I bought a house and I started renting it out and house hacking. And that's what really opened my eyes. I was like, holy shit one month short term on Airbnb, I made, you know, 12 grand on a house, you know, one month in July, mm. first year doing it only like four or five months in. And so I was like, that's, that's insane. That's more than half the year's worth of mortgage for me. My mortgage was 1510 on that house, you know? Yeah. So I was like, this opened my eyes. I'm like, I need to figure out, I want to, I want, I don't want to buy more, you know? And then I want to get smart on the market. So let me go ahead and get my license. Mm. So that's what really, that's how it kicked off for me. And that was about three years ago. Yeah. Three years. So yeah. So yeah, that's an interesting time to dive into real estate. So yep. did COVID. you, yeah, right. Right. Uh, I guess not really towards the end of COVID, right? I mean, it was right towards, it was like, I think everything started opening up around September, October, yeah. 2020 here at where, least. I was going to say, so you were here at that time. You were in Navarre. I just PCS yeah. here to Fort Walton. Oh, that's okay. where I bought my first house. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, cool, yeah. cool. 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 So, Sweet man, yeah. So, so house hacking. So, I, I'm familiar with that, but kind of explain that to me. So, that's a really yeah. interesting uh, real estate move there. Yeah, I think traditionally it's uh, you know typically has to deal with like multi units, mm -hmm. so quadplex, duplex, triplex. Um, but for me, I mean, I I call it room hacking, right? So, I'll buy a primary property, 
and then rent the rooms at out. And uh, at first I looked into long-term tenants, like friends, whoever else, people that were looking, even Craigslist and people wanted to stay in my house for like 700 bucks. And I'm like, it's not worth it for me. You know, I need yeah. to make more because I'm sacrificing my privacy. So looked at Airbnb because I've done that before in Europe. Like, you know, there was a live-in host and they hosted us and it wasn't, it's a weird concept, but then you do it a couple of times. You're like, oh man, people are kind of cool. Mm -hmm. And I can make a lot more money off of it than doing a traditional uh, long-term tenant. So, yep. I think that's what you're kind of harping on there too. Cause the first thing I can think of is like, I don't know if I'd want to do that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's almost where it's important for me to lean in. Yeah. And like, and it sounds like that's <clears throat> what you do with the Ronin mentality, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, this might not be optimal for what I want and yeah. my desires, but like, this is going to create freedom for me, you yeah. know? And I think it sounds like, you know, you being able to, to kind of look at what the end result's going to be is really powerful in that sense. Cause you know, I think, I mean, even for me, when I moved out, I don't want to have any roommates. So mm -hmm. I bought a one bedroom and yeah. rented it and, you know, didn't think anything of, you know, those types of things. So that's really interesting that you're able to do that. So you just rented out, like, would you rent like two rooms out to one family or would it like, how'd that work? Was it just individual listings for each room? Yeah. So whenever I buy a primary, I'll live in it. Okay. You know, those are the requirements when you use VA, mm -hmm. you know, conventional primary loans. And I'll live in it for a year, but I'll rent out the additional rooms separately. Okay. So they'll all be separate. And then once I move out of that house, I turn that entire house into a single Airbnb. I say Airbnb, but it's a short-term rental because I push it on seven different platforms. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Airbnb is just what everyone's familiar with. But that's yeah. kind of the, that's, that's my, that's what I do. That's my routine when I buy a house. That's really smart. So that, so that's like uh about a year, year and some change process between yeah. how long does it, so whenever, and that's interesting too. I want to kind of go into the short-term rentals because I was doing, doing a little research on those. So mm -hmm. how many short-term rentals do you have in your portfolio right now? I own five, Okay, but I'm managing 12 right now. I'm picking up 13 this week. Okay. Congrats. First of all, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. So with your themes in your uh, uh, short-term rentals, are those... You know, I've noticed you've got, so kind of talk me through that. Like, are those your personal homes that are themed or is that some other folks that you theme for them? Cause I think that's a really cool thing. Like th when I'm thinking about what can set you apart in that type of industry, I think yeah. when you're more inland, being able to do that mm -hmm. really creates mm -hmm. a great niche populace of people that are looking for something like that. Yeah. So I'm just curious if you're the person who came up with that and decided to start theming these houses or, or how that kind of went into yeah. And they're all, they're all my personal houses that I theme. I do want to get into a business where we're theming houses and setting up houses for other people. Oh yeah. And that's a, you know, that's going to cost money of course. Like, so if you've got an investor that buys it from afar, we can theme it out for you based on what your ideas are and what you're looking to do. And then we set that up. But yeah, I, I typically just do that with my own individual houses. And that's why I love buying inland, you know, typically with no HOA because yep. everything on the water's got an HOA and you got to mm. abide by the rules. I like making it different, you know, yeah. I've got like a mannequin in the house <laughs> I'm setting up now, you know, I'm going to put a parachute on the wall, like an actual military parachute. So it's going to be a military themed house. Oh, that's awesome. This one's going to be, uh, yeah, the ranger house. So it's going to have a lot of military accents, like, you know, maybe a cot and, uh, you know, the, the mannequin's going to have my uniform with some cool guy stuff on it. 
and then the coffee mugs are going to be like canteen cups, you know? So oh, yeah. a lot of little, it'll still be very comfortable. Like beds are like one of the best and most important things you should invest in. Um, cause they're sleeping there. Right. And they want to feel comfortable, but you know, having those accents and stuff, I think it'll bring a lot of kids in, um, arcade games, things like that go into all of mine, but you know, any, any, like I check off as many amenities as I can on the Airbnb checklist. And then I also just like, I just try to make it really cool, man. You got to stand out. And that's, oh, yeah. that's the way to do it. I think so. And you know, there's, there's so many different options and anytime you can do something, you know, it's like we we're talking about earlier with you making the videos with you wearing the wig, you know, yeah. and I remembered it. And it's like, when you can do that, I think it, it sticks with people and they're yeah. like, Oh yeah. What was that? The Ranger house what was that? As opposed to what the seashell house or the golf house or the beach house. Everyone's a seashell house. Oh, every single <laughs> one of them. It's it's golf or emerald yeah. or crystal yeah. something. And it's like, oh, we've got seashells on the wall and turquoise and white shiplap. It's like, so I th- seeing you do that is is I really enjoy seeing the different side of of you know creative minds and how people try to try to attack that. So that's really cool. So w- when you talk about house hacking and and doing all this kind of stuff. Did you like, I'm curious, I'm always curious where people get into the information part. So did your love for real estate just make you dive head first and you just started absorbing everything you could? Or is there somebody who kind of did what you're doing and they were like, Hey, this is how you do it. And kind of showed you the ropes or did that type of thing. Yeah. I, I, I have several mentors, um, mm. none in the short-term rental. I, you know, Charlie Cameron is probably one of the guys that I've, uh, talk to uh, here and there and you know we both kind of inspired each other but started i, I want to say he might have started before me um but yeah starting that was like i kind of recognized that there was a need and this was like an incredible place to start that kind of business um just because you're by the water everyone's visiting here all the military bases all the uh high schools and, and there's a couple colleges beaches so there's multiple reasons why people show up here and i get locals that are booking my place as well, you know, mm-hmm. that for family or whoever else. So there was a huge need and I was like, man, I, I really want to get into this. And then it just so happens that it tied into, you know, being a realtor. And that just makes me more marketable or make people, I think, want to talk to me more because I understand that market and I can run comps and say like, hey, this is what my house did. And it's very similar to yours, you know, and, and, and it's located here. Um, so this is what you could make. Right? Mm-hmm. So like, I think it gives me a little edge if you were to say that. Oh yeah. A hundred percent, man. I think, uh, being a, any, any time you can offer supplementary services to something Yeah, like I do real estate and property management and yeah. I can help you find a lender and I can help you find, you know, and, and having those connections I think is key because I mean, at the end of the day, whenever someone can look you up and say like, oh, he's got these properties and he has this presence and oh he's making informative videos about the market right now like "Eh, this is probably a pretty reputable guy yeah you know and so i think being able to do that and also kind of i don't know i almost feel like do you do you feel like it kind of holds you like a little bit accountable like putting that content out and putting that stuff on social it's almost like yeah you know self-accountable yeah 100 percent. that's how it drives me man so you know and you know heather blatt said this at one of the re uh pints and property meetings and she was like you know, the, everyone's a realtor nowadays, right? She didn't say that part, but she said she might've, but she, she mentioned that you got to have some sort of niche to make you different. And that's the same with the Airbnbs, right? It's like mm-hmm. a lot of people are hopping on, on the tail end. And then they're like, why didn't I make all this money? It's like, cause you put minimal effort into it. You jumped on when everyone else did, you know, so you're a little behind the power curve. So like mm-hmm. 
question is like, are you different? You know, what, what makes you different? What makes your properties different? And that's really going to help drive you to become successful. Yeah, that's, that's the major thing. And then letting people know what's different, mm-hmm. you know, having that ability to, to put yourself out there like you, you were able to, I think is, is one of the things that's allowed you to kind of see that success. I mean, um, you know, and it sounds like a, a lot of, a lot of how you operate and what you do, it, it stems from a place of, I don't want to say rigid structure, but it sounds like there is definitely a process that you follow. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, I'm always curious people who are in the military, especially like guys like you who are in for a good minute. Do you feel like the military shaped you into being that person and it helped you be more structured and regimented and stick to the goal? Or do you think that because your values lined up with the military, you were kind of drawn to that field? Well, I grew up in the ghetto and I was very okay. poor. Yeah. Uh, so I would say my values, I mean, I did have values, right? But I, I 1000% contribute a lot of that to the military. It definitely gave me some structure and, uh, you know, responsibility taught me discipline work ethic is one of the biggest things you know you wake up every day and like you hit the ground running um you know that was the biggest thing i i tell this to a lot of people i say like one of the best decisions i've ever made the best decision i've ever made was joining the military and the second best decision was getting out of the military (laughs) because you learn so many different things and i mean it's not to say like if we're in an active war or, you know, for me, like to be more fulfilled, I need to be out there doing stuff. Right. You know, right at this point in time, there's just not, there's not much going on. I did my time. I did 11 years as a paratrooper, which does a lot of, a lot on your body, but, uh, you know, transitioning and moving and taking those skills that you learn and putting them into a business or anything that you care about, you're really going to like, you're going to be successful if you implement the same work ethic and things that you've learned in the military out in the civilian sector. Mm-hmm. You know, what's so funny, man, is I don't know who I was talking with about this, but, um, you know, as I've, you know, our, our paths have crossed a lot over the past few months, just, you know, kind of being in that investor space in that world. But, um, you know, the, the job that I previously had, but, um, it was so funny because I kind of came to this realization as I met like more investors and more people like you who have these multiple businesses, it's like more often than not, there's, there's two, they're, they're either former military or ex-prison. Yeah. It seems like the two, like, yeah. like you talk to someone who's highly successful, they either were down bad and they mm-hmm. were in a prison or they were in the military. So it's like, it kind of goes to show that having a structure is the underlying, you know, uh, um, similarities between those two is that yeah. you, you have to listen to authority mm-hmm. and you have to follow a structure. And so to me, like hearing the way that you describe how that helped you, I feel like having that structure is so important. And I'm just, I guess that's one of the parts where I'm wondering, like with you, do you feel like, cause I know with entrepreneurship, it's such a changing game. Like, how do you know when to pivot? Like when you're following a certain structure, mm-hmm. you're, 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 you're on that goal, you're doing the thing and you're just either, maybe you're not seeing the listings that you're, or whatever the goal may be. Yeah. How do you know when to, when to assess the mission and say, all right, we need to deviate from what we're doing and, and pivot. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So as a, as a business owner, you have to constantly assess Mm -hmm. and reassess and reassess, right? You're like, if you're supervising, right, which you, which you should be as a a business owner, like you're watching everything go. If you're a data guy, like you should be a data person, um, constantly collecting data. Like every month I've, I've got spreadsheets that, and, and, uh, software that kind of brings that, those analytics together for me. And it lets me know I've got a bookkeeper that says, Hey Josh, like you're not profitable in this area. Right. CPA that's telling me like, look, we need to go to an S corp. I've got 
other people that are professionals in their realm that are helping me make informed decisions. Um, and I'm constantly learning, man. So like I compare this year to last year all the time. And then, you know, I kind of see what I've done, what's worked for me the last year. Is it worked for me this year? Do I need to make any changes? So constantly like looking in is like a big thing and, uh, you know, making assessments and, and making those changes. Yeah. That's, I think that's so major, man. I, I and I was talking to a gentleman about this yesterday. He owns a beach service and he was telling me how he's starting to finally realize it's all a numbers game. You know, yeah. like even guys that are renting chairs in the sand yeah. are realizing that this is all about, and, and it's true. Like you, you have, and that's so awesome to hear you say that because it's, it's one of the things where I feel like if things seem like they're going good, right. If you don't, cause when you don't peel back the layers, it's easy for something to look good. Yeah. And I think as a business owner, sometimes you want that so badly mm -hmm. that you just accept that as reality. And yeah. then, you know, you just move forward and then that's a, that's a leak that you didn't assess. And then now you've got damn. And, and so anyway, I think having that constant assessment, like you're talking about and that introspection, I think is, is vital to long-term success. Yeah. You know, and I think I don't, I mean, I don't own any businesses, but I think having that level of introspection at any point in life, I think is really important for people. So that's really cool that, that you still feel that way, even though, you know, by all determinants, like you're a successful guy, right? But you, I think you having that wherewithal to understand that's really cool. Um, whenever, whenever you look at kind of what the, I don't want to say like the end goal, but like, what would you say is like your, your five-year goal right now? Like with, with the real estate team you just started, which mm -hmm. I want to talk more about, Yeah. but the real estate team you just started and the property management, you know, like what's, what's kind of the long-term play with those? Yeah. I mean, eventually, man, I don't want to keep, I, I don't want to manage my own properties. Mm -hmm. You know, I want, I want to hand that off to somebody. Uh, so eventually I do want to sell the business mm -hmm. hopefully for multiple millions of dollars. Like, right? but, uh, like who knows, right? So like, <clears throat> I know in order for me to scale and in five years with the rate, I'm picking up at least five properties a year, you know, I'm going to need multiple property managers. So I do want to expand out to like 30A, um, Miramar and, and those locations more east rather than just in Navarre and Fort Walton Beach. That's where I'm at now. So um, cleaning companies, like we need multiple cleaning companies. I want to have a laundromat but also like a, a central place where all the cleaners can kind of consolidate stuff. So uh, to answer your question, I want to have two, two to three more cleaning teams that are, that are cleaning all the properties and maintaining them. I want to have property managers, at least three, um, one in Pensacola, one in like from Navarre or a couple from Navarre to Fort Walton beach, and then one further out in Destin and, and Miramar so that I can reach out and touch those areas. Um, we're also getting into Niceville too. Believe it or not, there's a duplex that my friend's parents are under contract for, and we're going to manage that for them as well. But it's right on the water. It's got this like, badass balcony and everything. Nice, sweet. Yeah, yeah it's on the piling track and yeah. everything. So, um, but yeah, so like with that, man, and, and then with the uh, <clears throat> the team thing, and we can dive deeper into this whenever, but I, I do want to get it to a point where like my end goal with this real estate team isn't to uh, build the biggest team and thrive with it, right? My goal is to bring on people that have the similar mindset, that have the same drive, that want to start their own teams. Mm. And I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to nurture them initially and, and get them on the right path. But then I want to uh, like eventually get them off my team, which sounds weird and counterproductive from a team leader, right? And that's not traditional, but I want them to start their own team, right? Because that's going to help build my business as well. 
help them be more successful. And then it's not just like me getting all the rewards and profits for it. Yeah, well, initially when I'm putting in the work and, and helping to build you up, but I want you to to branch out, bring on your own individuals, start your own teams, not under me. Um, but you're, you're getting that mentorship. And then there's like a good relationship there. And with the EXP um, rev share model, that seven tier model, it's going to pay itself back to me. So like, that's one of the big reasons why I switched is to have it so that it's more lucrative in the sense of me putting in time to train other people and other agents to build their own empire. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I'm, I'm still going to get paid for that cold while I wasn't like, I was helping all these agents out and I'm like, I love to help you guys, but I, I still have to do work. You know, I yeah. gotta do my own stuff. So didn't mean to get too much into that. No, no, no. That's, there, man, but. <laughs> that's funny. That, that sounds like, uh, at a, at an old job I was at, there was there was the role of senior account executive, mm-hmm. and, the, and there was no change in pay. There was no change in commission. The only change was that the you had you had three people oh, yeah. that you had to train that were oh, yeah yeah. So it's like I I definitely see why that would make sense to to kind of switch over to EXP. I mean, it just sounds like it, it was something that lines up with your values, exactly, right? Because yeah. and that's the transparency aspect of it. Because it's like, hey, I can help out as many people as possible, but my time is also valuable. You exactly, know, man. I mean, that's that's the root of it, and so. That's really cool. So team Ronan, you're, you're, and that's, um, you, you describing, uh, your team building effort reminded me of like, I don't know where the quotes from, but it like talks about how a true leader doesn't lead a true leader builds other leaders who can also build other leaders. So like right. just passing on that torch of being able to, to lead other people, mm-hmm. uh, cause that's a gift. I mean, that's a skill that, that, yeah. that, that, that you know, you feeling the, wanting to pass that on to people is really cool, man. Cause that's, I feel like in real estate, especially it's a very, it can be a very cutthroat industry Yeah, and, and very much like, yeah, we're friends, but I got to make a deal here, you know, mm-hmm. type of stuff. And, um, and it's not the case with everybody. Right. But I mean, right. there's, there's always bad apples. So I think whenever you can come in on a totally different, uh, level. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really cool where, where that's, that's your stated goal, you yeah. know, go, I, 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 um, I know you kind of mentioned it too. So with real estate, real estate's more or less kind of a way to fund your your other business and other pursuits. Is that kind of how you see it now or? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, very, very lucrative. Uh, you know, the rents that you get from the rentals, like, you know, they're paying off the mortgages and, and you know, you would think like, okay, six houses that you have now, they're, you know, you're paying for six mortgages and I'm not, you know, those mortgages are all paying for them, themselves and then and then some right? To, to help me fund and get the next rental up and running. And same with the real estate transactions. That's going to be, um, now that I have a team, we're going to use that for more marketing and putting more money into the business mm-hmm. and, and like SEO website stuff and like getting us out there. Um, and also maybe like my personal transactions, of course, are going to fund my, my next house. So, yep. Is so whenever it came to real estate, I know you said you started a few years back, has and with with your being in the military, would you say that's kind of how you built your initial book of influence, like or not book of influence, a book of business with your sphere of influence? Was just kind of really stand on the military. Like I'm, I'm always curious how people were able to find success in real estate. So what was kind of your vein that you were able to strike? Yeah. So I mean, I one I got in at a really good time two years ago. You know. So I mean, I have to attribute some of that to that. Um, military, of course, like it, it just gives you that drive and that mindset that your average person I think doesn't have. Mm -hmm. Um, it takes a lot to go through that. And like, you know, 
they, they say like in order to make someone patient, like you got to probably not give them as many things up front in order to, to make them like enduring or, you know, persistent, you, you probably have to put them through some hardships, right? So going through that in your life and experiencing those things is, is really what helps define you and like your work ethic and, and, and your drive and everything. And so like attributing that to that as well. But I mean, man, it's, it's, it's a combination. There's no like one thing that really I could point to that. It's like, man, that really helped me out. It's, it's me just going all in, man. Mm-hmm. And you got to go all in and put yourself out there and be uncomfortable. Um, Cause like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, you're talking to a camera in front of all these people you know, and, and then you eventually get confidence to talk in front of people in real life. But, mm-hmm. you know, they hear you, you hear yourself and you're like, man, is anyone even getting this? And then over time, you're like, you're picking up from all these other people that you're surrounding yourself with all these other pages of influencers and people that have been successful and you're learning, right? You're reading books, you're teaching yourself. And then over time, you're like, I do know what I'm talking about, you know, mm-hmm. cause there's a lot, you see the meme where it's like all the realtors, like, I have no idea what I'm doing. It's yeah. like, that was true for like maybe like one or two months. And, but I had people that were overshadowing me and, and stuff and that, you know, like getting your license doesn't give you like the knowledge you have to go through it and experience it. And so like, you got to constantly learn and, and like saturate yourself with all this knowledge and like people that are going to help you grow in order to, to get to where you need to go and, and be successful. That's it. Yeah. I think, the biggest thing that I, that I've noticed is just like you said, diving in and being uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm, I wasn't an agent or anything, but you know, I worked for a real estate investment company for a short time, um, kind of on the acquisition side. And I remember talking to homeowners and thinking like, they're going to know, I don't know what I'm talking about, or they're going to, they're going to spell my bluff or whatever. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm talking to them and I'll ask them a couple of questions and they're like, Oh yeah, I hadn't thought about that. You know, oh yeah. Oh. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh wait, no, I, I actually do know. Yeah, you know? I do know something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like most of these things that I'm telling myself I'm not qualified for are just lies that I'm trying to convince myself to not do the thing. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I, I don't know enough about that. I'm not going to talk to that person. Yeah. Well then, okay, if I don't know enough about it, I can go in and ask questions and be honest about it. Yeah. You know, and and that comes, like you said, man, just me putting myself out there and, and anybody hearing this putting themselves out there, man. I think that's that's a big, big takeaway, if anything, from, from all this, you know, is that you really have been able to, to just act, you know, yeah. like Ronan, you know, you just, you do what you need to do. And, um, I guess with, with you in that mind state and, and, you know, trying to get through those things, what are, what would you say is like the, um, not the hardest thing, but like, what are some obstacles that you face? Like, like for me, like I deal with like all default to procrastinate like mm-hmm. i'll just i'll just put something off for no reason yeah and, and that's kind of like one of my vices but what are, what's something that you kind of struggle with do you feel like you know like you're trying to improve on or, yeah. or you know yeah i uh i mean we all struggle with a lot especially starting off running your own business it's yeah. it's it's a uh, it's something that you learn over time and and through pain right and struggle mm-hmm. um but one of the biggest things for me is i like to do everything myself oh, yeah. so i'm like a micromanager in a sense and with me doing that, like it's limiting how far and how, how much further ahead I can go from not doing that. Right. If I'm employing people. So like I went through like six cleaners before I found a cleaning company that I was like, this is my cleaning company. Right. And I helped them start their own business. So there's like a really good relationship. there, really good people. Um, James and his wife, uh, Megan, um, really, really 
great cleaners. They go above and beyond, man. And I take care of them because I've learned like, if you do find that right person, you better nurture and groom them because Mm -hmm. eventually they're going to, they're going to just go, if they feel neglected, they're going to just go off and do their own thing. So, um, being able to delegate, um, is something that it's hard for me to trust people, you know? So like me micromanaging, I'm spending a lot of time doing stuff. Like when I'm re I don't rehab houses though. That's one thing I won't do. I'll like design them and like decorate them and everything else and do small repairs, but I just don't have the time. So that's something that I will 1000% hire my contractor to do. Um, but when it comes to like running the business, like I spent so much time and money into like classes to learn my uh, property management software, how to run invoices, how to do the accounting aspect. Um, every month, like you're paying for all these tools that I've took taken classes for. And it's like, man, I got to trust that to someone else. But what if they forget to charge a guest? What if they forget to do this and that, you know? Um, so it's really like, it's nerve wracking for me, but I know there, there will come a point in time when I grow to a certain point where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I have to hire someone else. Yeah. That's, that's a difficult thing, man. I, I know that, um, it's like, it's like trusting somebody with your baby. Yeah. Right. I mean like the, your business, like you, like you literally built this from it, it previously did not exist. Yeah. Much like a child, right? Yeah. Like, so to hand that off, I can see how that'd be so difficult, but yeah, that's, I mean, I think that that too just kind of talks to the level that you just want it done. Right. I yeah, mean, the, that's, exactly, that's the yeah. core of it. Like yeah. your name's on it and it's It needs to be done correctly. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's a really, it's a really good thing that, that you can recognize that because that is true that what you're saying is like, I feel like that's where, that's where the real joys come. Like when you're talking about, you know, helping them start that cleaning company and like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, man, that, that type of stuff and being able to be that facilitator. Yeah. Um, I think is a really cool thing. You know, I had a, I had an old boss and mentor who, um, I kind of saw the transition from him where he, he went from being the doer Mm -hmm. to being the teacher. Yeah. And like, it allowed me to kind of step in and find confidence in that role and, and do the things I needed to do. So, um, you know, I think that that's a really cool thing that you're able to see that. And, um, and I know you kind of touched on a little bit with all the time and all that kind of stuff, but what do you feel like are some things that you've had to sacrifice to like give up? Like you, yeah. you're realizing like, man, I can't do this anymore. Cause I'm, I got goals, you yeah. know, like whatever it may be. Oh dude, there's, there's so much, I mean, like you're being a younger guy, like I'm, in, I'm, I'm 36 now. I'm not considering myself younger, but um, over the young. last, yeah, it's still young. Um, I still do CrossFit and stuff like that. <laughs> try to stay young, but and I kick some of these younger guys, guys butts, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like sacrificing what, I mean, doing what everyone else is doing. You guys, everyone sees like the memes and stuff and like people that are motivational and they're talking and then they have like the music in the background and it's like, you know, you got to sacrifice going out and they're going to ask you like, why aren't you partying? Why aren't you getting drunk? Why aren't you like hanging out with all these women? And doing all the things that everyone else is doing. It's like, well, because I can't get all these things done, you know? Mm. And once you've tasted that, you're like, I'm going to sacrifice it all, you know? And for me, it's more of like, I mean, if anyone that knows me knows me, like they know I'm a workaholic, man. Like I work my ass off all the time. You know, I I was in real estate for a year and a half before I got a, a transaction coordinator. I was running all my paperwork, running all my businesses, running all my deals. And I'm like, all right, something's got to give, you know, cause I'm not, I need some time to decompress yeah. and, and find a hobby. So like, you know, um, but yeah, that's, 
that's really it, man. Like you really have to figure out that, that sweet spot and happy medium to where you're like, all right, this is good work life balance, but you, you have to sacrifice a lot of stuff, man. And, and, and drinking, partying. Um, my brother is really huge on buying like designer clothes, jewelry and all that. And I'm like, it's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. I used to buy quite a bit of uh, clothes when I lived in Italy for a little bit. But uh, okay, yeah, I was just like, man, this is way too expensive. And I eventually like, I've had the same clothes for like two years and you can call me a bum or whatever. I've, you know, but I love, I love investing in my future. And so those are little sacrifices that I'm making that pay a huge gain. Like I don't go to Starbucks every day. Like I used to, like, mm-hmm. that's a lot of money, man. You know, small little changes, you know, subscriptions, things like that. Like it'll pay dividends in the end. And I mean, even dating, man, I was talking to somebody and I'm not saying I'm opposed to dating or I won't, you know, I'm just out when I'm ready to date, I want to, I want to give that time, uh, have the time available to give to that significant person. Um, but that that's expensive, man. Like you think about it, you go out a couple times a night, you know, have drinks, have dinner, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot of money right there. It's maybe 300, 300 bucks, you know, for two people. And then, you know, all the holidays and everything else. I sound like a cheapskate, but this is like little things like that are what are allowing me to, to save that money and to, you know, invest in my businesses. I think, I think, uh, I don't think it's not like a cheapskate. I think one of the things that I've realized that I've, I've noticed from people who have wealth and, um, you know, who might be later in life and at a point where I want to be, you know, um, is that it's not necessarily that, and you might share the same sentiment, but they were saying like, it's, it's the, the price of the coffee is big, but it's the fact that you identify the value of money. Mm-hmm. And can think to yourself, my my money is going to be more valuable if I put it over here yep. than if I put it over here. Yeah, and I've got to give and give up that short term pleasure. This this guy, you've probably heard this saying before, but I was watching this uh, video. This guy said that money's like crap. Mm-hmm. If you let it sit in a pile, it starts to stink. If you spread it out, it grows. Yeah, and so it's like it's that's such an important piece, and it's like you've been hitting on man it's like the amount of houses that you have and and how you're operating i mean that's where i'm trying to get to so you know to understand that that you just i think sometimes too that people my age you know i'm 27 and i think people in their 20s get this idea that this is the time we get to relax yeah well we'll we'll turn it on once we hit later once once we get a couple kids and once we see it you know that's when we'll start to work hard but really man like to me, I feel like in your 20s, work-life balance shouldn't really exist. Mm-hmm. Like it just needs to be work. Yeah. And then as you get older and more, pre- then, you know, as I have kids, that's my idea anyway. And so I think hearing you talk about just that tenacity and that drive, I mean, that's that's really all it takes. Yeah. And, right? and your 20s is when you should be making all the, you should be taking all the risks, right? Oh, 100%. Making all the mistakes because you can bounce back from that so easily, right? Mm-hmm. So like, there's a lot of people that I think the twenties, they just blow away and they're just partying and doing their thing. And, um, you know, they're not really saving looking into their future. And that was me. Um, and then in their thirties, they're like, all right, now I need to, I need to start thinking about this stuff. And then they take like five, 10 years researching. And really they're not really, they're, they're reading a book here and there. They're listening to a few people. Like maybe they start to go to an investor meetup and then it's like, all right, I'm, like now they're facing analysis paralysis. They're like, all right, what if I'd make a mistake and now I have to live with that for like 10 years or five years or whatever. And and so they're fighting themselves and they see 
social media and like the news and like everything's telling them like, don't do anything, hold what you got, save your money. And it's like, do you, do you even know like your money is like appreciating a lot slower than it would be if you were to just buy a house? You know, I mean, I get it like getting into the door. There's different ways to get in, like ac acquiring properties. Right. But that's a completely different subject. I get it. Like it's more expensive now to buy. Um, but you got to get creative. Right. And so and the biggest thing is like for me was just doing it. You learn so much more just doing it than you would be if you were to read a thousand books. And then you're like, all right, I remember like maybe, you know, a third of all those books like you know, and I can implement some of it, but I'm too scared to. Right. So like, it's really a war against yourself. Like mm -hmm. you're the biggest, um, you're the biggest, uh, hurdle that you got to get over. So that's true. Yeah. yeah. War against yourself. I mean, that, that analysis paralysis, man, that's, that can be my biggest downfall because mm -hmm. I, and really what I realize is that it comes down to a fear of failure mm -hmm. is that I don't want to feel that. Right. And, and I, and how do I feel that? How do I, how do I know for sure? I'm never going to feel it is yep. if I never try. Exactly. And you know, but, but luckily I have avoided some decisions that now I've kind of looked back, like whether it was wanting to go all out for school and get my degree faster or mm -hmm. deciding to do something different with my money back when I was in my earlier twenties. But I, I'm, I'm glad that I can look back at those decisions now and be like, man, I can really tell that if I would have done that differently, things would be different and not right. looking back like somber and like, with mm -hmm. pitiful regret but as a learning moment right and saying like man if i would have just acted mm -hmm. things could be different yeah and kind of learning from that and, and moving forward i think is is one of the big things man and and i know i know several people in this situation if we're talking about real estate specifically right they they own a house and then th their interest rate on that house is like three percent something good right something that it's not right now and if they're especially if they're single right they have that ability to you know, be a little uncomfortable, right? Being comfortable, uncomfortable, being uncomfortable and, uh, you know, having a roommate or two or like Airbnb in their place out. So like they could absolutely cash flow on their house, just turning that into a long-term rental. Or if they decided they wanted to double down, they could turn to another Airbnb, right? And then they move into their house. Yes, they have a higher interest rate, but guess what? They probably didn't pay any closing costs. They probably didn't pay for that new roof. Like, and we're talking about the one that I just bought that has a pool. Like I've never been able to afford a pool home, mm -hmm. but this house, like I got it for 40 grand under market value. I got a brand new 20 grand roof on it before closing. And then they paid all my closing costs plus a rate buy down. So acquisition has never been easier. I think at least in the more recent future, right. To, to having your pick of the litter. And then now, okay, you have a, you have a higher mortgage payment, but guess what? Like you're willing to put in the work to like get tenants in there. And for me, like that 7.7 .7 interest rate that I just got, it's going to equate to about a $3,100 mortgage payment. Still not going to pay a mortgage, man. I got mm -hmm. four bedrooms in there. I'll rent all three of them out. I've already got one long-term tenant that's going to pay me a thousand bucks. And those other two rooms are easily going to bring in like 1500 bucks a month on mm -hmm. average, if not more, because it's got a pool and all these other things. So yeah, I, th I think like, you know, like you're talking about mortgage rates, I really think that, um, it, a lot of people were done a disservice. Well, not done a disservice, but when you look at what rates were, mm -hmm. they've never been anywhere close to that low yeah. ever, right? ever. And like, you can't base, you know, cause current rates are very on par historically. Right. You know, so it's like, 
I think a lot of people see that and it makes them apprehensive or they don't want to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. And it would do for me too. Like I'm not in a position where I'm looking to buy a house right now, but if I was, I could definitely see how that would sure. prevent me from pulling the trigger. But talking to people like you, I think is one of the things that has really helped me. And, you know, I think anytime you're talking to an agent in a market like this and they're saying things like it's never been easier to acquire a house, mm-hmm. that's probably the agent to be talking to because yeah. they know what they're doing, you know? So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I bought in both markets, yep. right? So like to talk about what you kind of mentioned earlier, yeah. um, I bought in both markets. I bought when the interest rates were lower. I bought when the interest rates were higher and I would much rather buy in a higher market a hundred percent because really? you, you got to think long game. Right. Yep. And okay. I, the one house I really wanted, it's like a mile away and I got it. It's a mile away from uh Navarre beach and I partnered up with a guy on it. And uh, so we own it together. I manage it. We have our own bank accounts and everything with that specific property that we own jointly. And uh, <clears throat> like it was a ball, it's a baller ass property, but you know, and I, we got a good interest rate on it, but I had to outbid four or five other people. Right. And so I ended up on a VA loan um, coming out of pocket, like 30 grand, right. Jesus. Because I had to pay for an appraisal gap and escalation mm-hmm. clause and everything else. Um, so it was a lot you know, when typically a VA loan is like, you know, nothing, right? Like you're not paying anything at closing mm-hmm. historically. Right. So like, um, and it just so happened just cause I touched on it being VA, like it just so happened, like, like my buddy that bought it, he was, um, going through some things and like had a family crisis. He had to move out. It was going to be his primary, but then we hooked up and he was like, Hey man, like I want you to, you know, kind of manage this property for me and with me. And then he put me on the title. I paid for like a lot of the, uh, rehab and everything else. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of just worked out, but so like, and then buying with this one, like this house was on the market at four thirty five initially what it was worth, um, like a month, uh, six months ago, a year ago, right. Easily. Oh yeah. And then it has, it has a pool and everything and then four bedrooms and then it dropped in price to three ninety five, And I'm like, I want that. You know, I, I've been watching it and I'm like, man, I really want this pool house because it's going to make me different. My Airbnb people love pools and uh, and I got it, man. So it's just so much easier. And, and I can talk to my clients and say, look, I get it. You want it to be cheaper, but I'm telling you right now, like it's so much easier to buy a house right now. Mm-hmm. And I personally have witnessed both markets. So, yeah. And I think the fact that you're also doing it and like you're not you're not just facilitating deals like you're creating deals and right. you are the person you know I, that to me would just inspire a lot more confidence because it's like oh you're actually doing the thing that you're telling me I should be doing yeah um i think that integrity just is is really big in in, in real estate and in any business right but mm-hmm. um being able to look at someone in the face and say i'm doing what i'm advising you should do too yeah i think is is really cool yeah and with that subject to deal that i did a couple months ago i like I was obsessed with subject too. Like yeah. I was listening to Pace Morby and, yeah. <laughs> and like all these guys and I'm like, man, I got to do this. Like I have to do it just because there's so many realtors that are like, or investors that are hitting up my listing, me as a listing agent and saying, Hey man, I got a, I got an offer for you. It's subject too. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, man. And Pace will tell you only 1% of realtors know what that means. And I was like, but I want to be that 1%. Right. And so like I was hunting for deals and I found this one deal and it just so happened to be uh, my listing and they couldn't sell it. And I was like, look, 
it's priced too high. We talked about this, right? We have to drop the price. And then, you know, in order for you guys, if you guys really want to sell this house, and even if we drop it, you're only going to get like 10, 15 grand, maybe, you know, and they still had a forbearance loan that they had to pay and everything Mm. else. So I was like, I will give you, you know, more than what you're getting in a traditional sale, but I'll buy it subject to, because I know them. I did like five transactions with their entire family. Um, she was more like open to it because she had a subject to offer, and then they went under contract, and the investor backed out. And I was like, "I'll buy it subject." To. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "But I can't give you that much, but I can give you this much." And they were like, "Deal." And so we did it, and now it's you know I got a two point seven five interest rate September oh. of twenty twenty three, right when the rates were at like seven point five, and uh, the mortgage and everything on else on it, the expenses are about nineteen hundred. And my uh, monthly uh, rents that I'm collecting is two thousand two hundred twenty-five, so that's over three hundred bucks, right? And I yeah. bought it for three hundred thousand, only put down like thirty-five grand at closing, but very, very little money out of my pocket, you know. And yeah, like, yeah. I mean, from obviously, I don't have a portfolio and don't don't own um, any type of rentals, but it's kind of rare for a property to cash flow within like the first month, right? I mean, doesn't it usually take like a little bit of time of some revenue to kind of equal that out to allow it to cash flow? Or would you say that yeah. typically speaking, it's... Well, well for, it depends on like what you're trying to do. So like with my Airbnb that I just bought, the house I'm going to Airbnb and live in, like it's going to take a, a few months of rehab. Mm. If it's ready to go and it's turnkey, um, you know, you don't pay a mortgage for the first month or two. If you're lucky, you get two months, but you know, so that kind of keeps you afloat and like that's some time that I can get some stuff done. Yeah. But this long-term rental, I could have had I had it rented out, but when I bought it, it took about a month, month and a half to get that tenant in there. But as soon as I did, it was good. I mean, yeah. it took about two weeks of getting stuff organized and, and making a few repairs based on the uh, inspection that I had done. And then once I got all that good to go, I listed it. It took about a month after that to uh, to get it to get a tenant in there. So. See, and that's, I think the reason that I was asking that is because I think that's the biggest uh, thing that changed for me when it came to viewing real estate is that it's not, it's an investment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so, so basically what you just said is you paid for something that is going to grow in value yep. for the entire life that you own it. Yeah. And within a month of buying this thing, it's paying you 300 bucks a month. Yes. So it's like, that is pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. And and that's where I think, um, you know, like you're mentioning, man, just me getting uncomfortable and finding ways to do it. And anyone listening to this, you know, hit up Josh, if you're trying to figure out how to do this stuff. I mean, cause <laughs> it's, it's very obvious that, you know, you know what you're talking about and, and you know how to navigate this market. Ronin stays is a property management company. You've owned it for what, three years now? Yeah. Right? been running it. So mm-hmm. you got 12 properties in the portfolio, five of your personal home that you have in there as, as short-term rentals. So kind of walk me through that, man. I mean, what, what kind of sets you guys apart versus maybe like Airbnb or maybe some other smaller uh, property management companies that can be as localized as you guys are? One, I tried to, you know, just stand out, right. And doing that initially to have someone click on your listing, you got to have a lot of the amenities checked off that you provide, right? So I'm trying to bring in my target audience is like families. So I have pack and plays and like high chairs and baby plates and stuff. And then I allow dogs. So there's a lot of things I, I like try to cast a really wide net to lure you in. Like you, you get them to click on your listing, right? You got professional photos done. Everything's clean, really nice. 
And then I have this like resume, right, where, where I've got almost 800 reviews on Airbnb alone, right? And so like that doesn't count like the 500, 300 to 500 people that did not review me, right? Because there's a lot of people that just don't write reviews. But, um, you know, so a lot of experience, so I, you gain that trust and then you have, you know, uh, a theme also that stands out because it's just different. And then, you know, the reviews and then all the amenities and then, you know, they see all the good things that people say. And so I've also got a Google account that has, uh, they could Google my business so they can look it up that way. They want to be more sure. Um, and then I'm also a super host on all these different platforms. So super host on Airbnb, premier host on Verbo, And that really gives you like a little badge and makes you stand out and you, you know, all this stuff too, but it's, it's all about making the guests comfortable being, uh, and, and bringing them into your house. I feel like one of the biggest issues with that kind of stuff can be some of the operational, you know, like the code doesn't work or the mm -hmm. Wi-Fi is down or the, you know, whatever, the, a window was cracked or, right. or whatever, some small thing may be. Um, how are you able to like quickly get on that type of stuff? You know, like, yeah, I know that you've talked about like how your military has kind of shaped you. I really feel like that background is something that makes sure that kind of stuff gets taken care of quickly. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of yeah. curious like what the process is like for that like, yeah um there's stuff that comes up all the time yeah. you know with property management and you just have to be comfortable with that um you're not always going to be monitoring your phone and, and and guests have to realize that as well but the thing that gives me that layer because i used to be on my phone all the time and the reason i have two is because at some point i want to shut one of them off after like five or six right spend more time with my significant other or whoever else right my family um but I, I'm not there yet, but I will be. So one layer step towards that was me hiring virtual assistants. So they are monitoring all of my properties and they will respond. So I've got layers built in where if neither of us respond within 20 minutes, there's an automatic message that goes out and says, hey, so-and-so, it has a smart code in there. Hey, Michael, thanks so much for your inquiry. Um, we're so sorry, but we're, uh, we're, we're going to get right to you. Um, you know, just, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Right. And so it gives them that reassurance, like, oh, they're, they're listening. And then there's an emergency hotline that they can call that has my virtual assistants, uh, that answer that. And then, so there's layers there that help mm -hmm. me. And then as soon as I hear or, you know, get wind that we need a repair done, I have a handyman that I call a bunch of other vendors that are, you know, who I'm not, I don't have on payroll. I'd love to have them on payroll at some point, And they just are dedicated to answering that. But right now I just call them and then they're like, all right, I'll head out there now. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I, and that's, that's funny when you say the virtual assistant piece, because I feel like people that weren't in, maybe people that start a property management company who don't come from a real estate background or who aren't super familiar with how to get ahead in real estate might not even know about virtual assistants. Yeah. I didn't, I had never even heard of that term until I started to get more involved with real estate and understand that you can basically hire out labor. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, stuff like answering calls or maybe responding to emails and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, that's, that's really smart that, that you implemented that just to get that full coverage. Cause, and, and having that automatic text, man, that, cause yeah. being in the service industry, I wasn't in property management, but when I was in the service industry for many years, people just want to be heard. Yeah. They want to know that someone saw that's their message, listening. even yep. if it's, sorry, nothing we can do for another hour and a half, you know, yep. it, but it eliminates all doubt. And so I think, automatic message man that's that's a nice little piece that you're able to to implement in there yeah so and, and with that do you like um do you make any type of like guarantees or like do you have any type of like 
ways that you kind of, like you said, like provide more comfort to the customer by saying yeah. if, if X doesn't happen, then we won't, you know. Like, yeah, there's a, we have a cleaning guarantee. So mm -hmm. like within the first 24 hours, if something isn't clean to, to the guest standards, which sometimes is like ridiculously high. I mean, yeah. we do pride ourselves on like having really good clean houses. Um, so, but yeah, they have that, that immediate line that they can call directly to my cleaning manager to get them back out. Um, additionally, we have what we call damage waiver protection mm -hmm. and it's similar to insurance and the guests pay for it just like any other platform. Like if you look at it, there's different fees that, that are being charged to the guests to account for if like something were to break or something like that. So if they book directly through my website, um, they, they pay 40 bucks for damage waiver protection. What it does is it ensures everything in the house up to $5,000 if the guests break it. And mm -hmm. I don't even have to char uh, charge the guests for that like table, for example, right? They break it. I take a picture of the table. I buy a new table, um, send the receipts in through the claims process, and I get my money back for that brand new table. So it's it's a reassurance that like, oh, I've got like four kids and they're batshit crazy, mm -hmm. you know? So that's another layer, in my opinion, of, of assurance. Yeah, that's interesting too, because that, that's really cool that you're, I like that you put on the perspective of the renter too mm -hmm. there, because I think like, cause from my perspective, when I'm going on vacation somewhere, like I am meticulous with making sure that I didn't mess anything up. That, right. Well, yeah, man. I mean, so what's, so if someone's looking to, you know, learn more about Ronin stays or they want to, you know, get a meeting with you and have you see if it's a right fit, like what's the best way for them to get at you? I mean, I know you're on social and stuff, but yeah, I mean, we do, I'm on social media. I've got like four different pages on there. So any of those, uh, you know, Ronin.stays is mm -hmm. another one that specifically for short-term rentals. If people want to get at me on uh, the website so they can go directly to my short-term rental website, www.roninstays.com, and there's a consultation page on there. Okay. They can book a consultation. Um, there's also a page if they want to list their property. You know, they, they send us their information and then we look into it. So like, that's something that, you know, a lot of people are just curious, like, what can my house make? You know, like what's the potential in this house? And people can always just come to me and ask like, Hey, here's the address, like swing by whenever. Um, and we can meet up and, and talk about it. But yeah, I'm, I'm always an open line. I'm also very willing to help people manage it themselves. That's a big thing for, for sure. You know, um, there's a link that I could refer them to, to Airbnb and what that link does, it comes out of zero expense to that homeowner's pocket you know, but it pays me for my time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Airbnb will pay me to help onboard that new homeowner Airbnb host to get their property started. So once they get their first tenant renter and then th they check out, that's when I get paid. So it's like, it's free for the homeowner and they even get, I think 50 bucks for oh, wow. allowing me to refer them. So they even profit off of it a little bit. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really cool program that Airbnb provides. Yeah. Cause, uh, I think it just invites more of collaboration, you know, right. than, than anything else. And it, it's kind of like we were talking about, right? Like I'm at Vacasa now. So it's kind of like we're, we're in the same industry, but I also think that as a whole, this industry comes under so much attack, right? That short-term rental management companies as a whole just need to come together, whether it's a massive one like Airbnb or mm -hmm. VRBO or, or anything, or, or one where, you know, they're going to be massive, like Ronin stays, you know, and, and they're going to massive grow to be huge, you know, and cover the whole Emerald <laughs> Coast. But I think um, interesting take that the Airbnb does that. I, I would have never guessed that they would, you know, allow people to, to kind of have that ability. So. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like it's like EXP with um, they don't 
spend a lot of money, if any, on like recruiting, right? Mm. They, they incentivize that with their agents and they say, Hey, you know, uh, you know, if you, if you build a team or if you bring on more people because you love the business and the company so much, um, we're going to, we're going to incentivize that and we're going to pay you. Right. Same thing with Airbnb. It's like, Hey, if you bring on more hosts, we're going to pay you for that one-time fee or, you know, bonus. Here you go. And then same with EXP and, and, you know, when it comes to like choosing your realtor, how it all kind of ties in, I, I always tell people like that person should be like your, your real estate advisor in a sense, right? Like if you got a guy that's your friend and they can do, everyone can do a transaction, right? I mean, if they're difficult transactions, that's a different story where you, where you got a lot of rocky bumps in the road. Um, but you know, cause not everyone can react and like, you know, handle those, uh, very well, but like, you know, also it's like, Hey, what, what are your needs and desires? Are your, your end goal? Is it to, to start your own Airbnb and have a couple of them and, and you need advice on that? Like, well, I might be your guy for that. Right. But like, if you're just looking to buy a primary, like anybody can do that, but you also never know what type of situation you're going to be in throughout the process and you need the right guy or girl in there handling that for you. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a big thing, man. I think, um, knowing who you're going into battle with is major. Oh yeah. And I think that's a perfect little pivot point because, um, you know, you've mentioned a little bit and I know a little bit of your, your background in the military, but, but man, I kind of, I want to learn more about like what it was like. I know you said you're a paratrooper and, and, my brother wasn't a paratrooper in the army, but he's got some pretty sweet selfies of him jumping out of planes. And, yeah. and, uh, so I'm curious, like, what, what was that like, man? Like, just walk me through like your time in the military. Cause you made it to major. So like, yeah. you know, just kind of walk me through that. Yeah. So I, my military career was about lasted 11 years yep. and, uh, I signed up, I wanted to, you know, be a badass and, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid and stuff. So I, I joined up as an infantryman, um, right out of college. So the army paid for my degree and everything, which was sweet. Uh, got right into it, and and really the first few years you're just training. You're and now real your quick, job. so so like an infantryman, that's like boots on the ground. Here's a gun, go kill them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, okay. yeah, you're 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 clearing buildings, you're kicking down doors, and you know shooting people in the face. Yeah, but, that's, yeah. You know, just so, I wanted some folks who didn't really know yeah, infantry. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> great plug in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're like, is, does that have to do with babies? It's like, no. It's, <laughs> there's no infants involved here. <laughs> grown men and now women, you know, there's now women in the uh, infantry as well, which is great. Um, but yeah, so like the first few years, man, it's just all about training. You know, you got to get your certifications. It's very like doggy dog world in the office infantry officer realm. Right. Cause like, if you don't have your Ranger tab, if you're not, uh, airborne qualified, you don't have these qualifications, you know, you're not going to get into certain leadership positions potentially. Mm. Right. Like really depends on where you go, what the demand is, how many captains or lieutenants they have as platoon leaders and company commanders, um, if they're filled already. Because if they're already filled, then you're you might be on staff for a long time because you just don't qualify. Yeah. And then you're constantly having to go back to ranger school, which is like a grueling, you know, at least sixty plus days of you know just going through swamps, trekking up mountains, learning uh, small unit tactics, and operating as a small unit, you know, doing ambushes, raids and all that, jumping into an airfield. Um, it's, it's crazy. Even Zodiac boat movements, you got alligators and snakes out there. Like it's, it gets a little gnarly, you know what I mean? And that's why, like, I think that's why it's easy to be comfortable being uncomfortable because I've feel, felt like I've been uncomfortable my whole life. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like going through that, uh, you know, the first few years of training, I became a platoon leader, 
which is like 30 guys. Like you're in a company mm. of like 130 people. You've got 30 guys that, you know, that you're training to do platoon level tactics, right? Um, live fires, things like that. You're preparing to go to war in the wow. event that, you know, you, you do go. And so, um, that kind of progressed. And then I became a, a company commander for about three years, which is a lot longer than usual. Like, I mean, I loved it, you know, it was great, but it's also a lot of like babysitting because you're oh, responsible yeah. for all these people. And at one company I had over 200 people. And so that's a lot of people to kind of account for. Um, but really like that was why I did it was for the, the, the soldiers and the people that I helped and who helped me as well. Like it was a team effort and that camaraderie is really like what I miss the most about it, but would absolutely never go back in because I love what I do now. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, and then I became, you know, a paratrooper and I ended my career as a uh, ranger instructor here in, uh, the Florida phase of ranger school. And so like we would train students on small unit tactics and, like have a baseline knowledge and, and learn leadership skills. Like it's a leadership course. Um, you're not going to be Napoleon when, when you graduate, but you're going to know a thing about tactics and like, you know, surviving in austere conditions, a coastal environment. Like you're doing Zodiac boat movements and stuff. And like, what's a Zodiac boat movement? A Zodiac is like a, it's like a blow up boat with a motor. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah. 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 So it's like, you know, you're on those and like you dismount and then you have to do like, you go through a swamp for a little bit. Now you have to set up a rope bridge cause there's a little slough and mm. uh, you know, you got to have a rope swimmer swims across ties a rope and then you shimmy across. I mean, we've had, we've had a guy die on that thing. Like uh, the, the year I got out, it was nuts, man. Like RIP to that kid, but he was a young ranger uh, ranger uh, from, I forget which battalion, but you know, it has a lot of risks. Like you are literally open to everything when you're going through that course. Like, you could die from a rattlesnake bite. Like there's diamondbacks everywhere out there. You could drown. You could die from jumping out of a plane. You could fall off a fucking mountain. Cause we were like scaling mountains and doing rappelling and stuff like that. Mountain phase, um, hell week, like people heat exhaustion, even hypernitremia where you're drinking too much water. People have died from that. Like, cause Dang. it's like so hot. Like everything is fighting you weight, you know, your own people, your lack of sleep. It's like, it's equivalent to, to pounding like a 12 pack of, of beer. Yeah. Um, it's like you're droning, right? Like you're, you don't sleep, you barely eat. And then, uh, you're carrying all this weight and like you're walking under nods. So all you see is green oh my God. <laughs> and then you just like beeline it. You see like a gas station over here in the middle of the woods and you're like hallucinating. Right. And so like you start walking to the gas, it's crazy, dude. I like I've never, that's, how much weight did you lose in ranger school? Oh man, it was like 20 pounds. Yeah, that's it was crazy. a lot. And like, you and, and yeah, people lose weight and they don't have any weight to lose. Right. You know? Like yeah. it's like you're yeah. Yeah. I've um I had a buddy who went through it. Must have been like two or three years ago, but it's so funny because he's that he's just that type of guy too, where if you'd have told me in high school, like this guy's gonna go through ranger school and you like outline everything that happens, I'd have been like, Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, this dude's just like one of those guys who just like looked for the pain and discomfort. Right. Know, so like attracted them almost, but yeah, that that's, I feel like you, you describing going through some of that stuff makes like a, a subject to deal on a house. Not, not yeah. too difficult to get there. You know, there's not like really, <laughs> I feel like when you, when you're going through stuff like that, like as somebody like you who's been through like real danger, mm-hmm. like, you know, and it goes yeah. back to kind of the, the military and the prison type, right? Like yeah. they've seen real danger. They know right. what it actually looks like to 
possibly be close to losing your life or something or seeing somebody yeah. close to you. And so I think when you're in those high intensity situations, it can, a lot of times it makes it hard to conform, you know, but I think sometimes it can, it can really help you power through adversity. Yeah. And it sounds like that's something that's really helped you a lot too. Right. I mean, yeah. Like I'm at uh gen blue generation blue. It's like an annual convention with Coldwell banker. And it was the brokerage that I was with before EXP. And, uh, <laughs> I was selected. Um, it was actually the uh, Coldwell Banker 2022 National Rookie of the Year. Yeah, and uh, you know, I went up there and spoke with four, uh, three other guys, uh, two girls, one other guy. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. And and they were just one of the questions was, and I was on a panel in front of it was a worldwide stage, so it, it was yeah. people from like everywhere, right? And so we're in Atlanta, and uh, they were like, "Hey, what, like, what was the transition like coming?" from the military, uh, you know, and then getting into real estate. Was it hard? Was it easy? And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not having to like be out in swamps and like, like going on a 20 kilometer movement to hit an objective or like getting shot at or anything. Yeah. And so like, I was like, I'd say it was like very, very easy to transition over and it. And everyone started laughing, but yeah. it's just one of those things, man. It's like, you know, people freak out in this industry and you're just like, no one's getting shot at here. Like yeah. we're good. Like no one's yeah. risking right. their life right now. And I think we can work through it. And I think that's something that if you get, like you've been through some stuff, like you understand, like, all right, like we can handle this. I've handled worse, you know? Yeah. That's, that's funny. How, how good did it feel to feel that room laugh? Whenever? Oh man. Is that not so it's, like, it's crazy. It's a crazy feeling. Because, I can imagine. Cause you're talking to what, like thousands of people out there. right? Yeah. It was, it was thousands and thousands. And then there was a lot of people online too. Yep. And like right after man, it was crazy because I talked to uh, Charlie Cameron and Matt Garner from EXP yep, and, yep. and they talked to me before, <laughs> two weeks before I went to this Coldwell bank. I was with Coldwell banker. They're like, hey man, like you're doing subject to deals, like you don't you don't belong there. Like you are more investor minded as a realtor, and like EXP is like the place for you. So let me talk to you about. It. And they talked to me, and I didn't want to hear anything from anyone. They were in Atlanta. Uh, so no, they they contacted me via the phone. Oh, they just called oh, me. And this thought, was like two weeks before. I thought I you meant they were like in Atlanta. I'm like, damn, they're like really trying to <laughs> yeah, like, no. come into the cold well. No, bank. they're like, yeah, whatever, Josh. Yeah, but yeah. no, they they talked to me on the phone two yeah. weeks before I left. And, okay, okay. And it really messed me up, man. Like, cause I like looked into videos and started doing a ton of research. My year with Coldwell was up, so it was like you know my cap and everything. Excuse me, refreshed, and so I was back to my normal cap. Where it, what it what that means is like you know you don't you're not getting as much and once you give the brokerage a certain amount, like then you cap and then you get a lot more, but that resets every year. And so when they told me that, you know, I I was like, man, it really messed me up. It was hard to sleep because I was like, I really this is something that I need to do right now. Like I know it's it's better for me. And I went up there, talked to those guys, and then when I got back, I was just like, you know, I talked to my broker the very next day, and I was like, look, these these numbers on a spreadsheet, like this is what kept me up all night and like you know i left a lot of money on the table and it, there's a lot of incentives and goals that align with like where i want to be but you know talking to that crowd it was amazing man but it just it kind of sucked because i couldn't tell them like i didn't want to tell them and i didn't lie about anything they just asked me about my journey and everything and how you know how i did what i did and uh you know i was very transparent and honest and uh you know i, I gained a lot of connections there like throughout the the week like everyone was talking to me you feel like a celebrity yeah and it felt it felt pretty good because i've never felt that way before but and then right after i left i talked to my broker and switched over and then uh 
published, I friended all those people and I published it on the internet and people were like, Hey man, like you were just, uh, you're just up there. And I'm like, yeah, man, I, you know, I, I wasn't trying to fool or lie to anybody. I talked to my broker beforehand, but I just had to do what was best for my business. And, uh, I'd love to, and I gave him kind of a few reasons why. And, you know, some of them reached out and talked to me about it. And I'm like, here's why, man. Like, it's not anything personal. But. Exactly. And that's the thing. At the end of the day, it's business. It's, yeah. Uh, I think sometimes it's, you know, you got to know how to pivot, right? You got to know how to pivot. And I, and I think, uh, it's always you know, and I don't know if people are going to feel some type of way, but when people say things like this is a family, mm-hmm. it's like, and, and it's a team, yeah. I think, right? Because <laughs> I've never, my mom's never come to me and been like, hey, son, um, you know, we didn't get the, didn't get the house clean that well last week. Uh, it's the third week in a row. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to let you go. Yeah. Like my mom's <laughs> never just let, yeah. like, so I think that it's like disingenuous almost to yeah. think like, oh, we're, we're like a family. We love each other. Like, no, we're a team and, and right. I'm a player and, I think this team might be a little bit better for me based on my mm-hmm. skill set. So, I, but I can see where that can, that can like, it can make it a little bit difficult to leave sometimes I feel like, but, right. but yeah, making that switch to EXP, I think, like you said, um, just sounds like it aligns with, with what you're trying to do more. Yeah. yeah. And, and you just really have to be able to assess and, and pivot. Like we we're talking about like throughout life, like you're going to get hit with different things and it's going to change your perspective. And you're like, Oh man, maybe I was a little blind to this for a little bit. And, uh, you know, and, and eventually you have to be willing to have those hard conversations because it was, it was tough talking to my broker. She's amazing. Like, I love Barry, you know, and um, but I had to do what was best. For, and she understood completely. Yeah. Like, she was fully supportive and, and everything. But um, you have to be willing. Like a lot of people won't aren't willing to do that. They're just yeah. like, hey, like, I, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. It's like, look, you're not like this is a very um, I mean, maybe you are. But like, this is a very like you business, it's your business. And like these brokerages are supporting your business. So you have to do what's best for your business. And for me, it's like very easy to have that conversation. Um, because it's, it's unemotional, man. Like Mm -hmm. you gotta, you gotta pivot and you gotta know when like, you know, you're leaving a little bit of money on the table and make your business better. Yeah. I think it's important for people to hear that because there, there's somebody out there right now who's working a job they hate, mm-hmm. but they like their manager right. or their coworkers are fine. It's convenient. Right. It's convenient for them. That's so that. they'll never move. Yep. Complacency com- kills. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Complacency 100%. kills. That's I mean, if it. you ever want to, if you love property management, if you ever want a job, man, down the road, just let me know. <laughs> yeah, I will. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I just keep the options open, you know, you never know. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Enjoy chatting with you, man. Learning yeah, more about guys. your companies and what you do. And, and uh, yeah, man, I just appreciate you coming on the pod with us, brother. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate you, you know, inviting me out. And, you know, you're you're a good friend of mine. And, you know, anything you ever need, man, just, just holler. Will do, Josh. Thanks, brother. Yeah, appreciate it. Sweet. Sweet.